Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Joshua chapter four, verse one, are you ready? New International Version. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe. Can you turn me up just a touch? Thank you. And tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men, appointed from each of the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. Verse 6. To serve as a sign. A what? A sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it was, and when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord had told Joshua as they carried them over them in their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And there they are to this day. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Move in power. Amen. You may be seated. Apparently, you should never let an electronic device go into the deep freeze because my, my iPad is uh, somehow gone. So I, it's just, it's a moment. It's a bit of a memorial for me. I have not used paper notes in at least five or six years. And so, what a joy. <laughs> New series. <laughs> but I used them for like 15 to 20. So it was interesting as I put that down, I'm like, oh, wish I had an iPad. Just by muscle memory, my, I did what I always did all those years ago. And the sheet went off at the top, and, and it's all ready for me to preach from. You know, it's funny how we do things. And um, I'll talk more about that in a moment. But it's a brand new series tonight, and it's called the Spirit-Filled Family Series. And uh, this text, you read, would you read the whole chapter with your kids, with your family, and, and take the notes that I, that I give you. I'm giving you homework. So take the notes, take them home, and do what I teach you as a family. And as you learn these things, you know, when we came in the church, we, we, we had some wonderful things in my family that we, we still carry on to this day. And, and then Pastor Karen had some wonderful things in her family that we still carry on. Together as we got married, we made our own culture. We 
We blended our families. We took the best of the Brackens and the, the best of the, the, the Damons, and we merged them together and made a new, a new family unit. And that's what happens when you get married and you have kids. You know, it's, we got certain rules and things in some families that don't apply in others. Like in my family, I mean, like the dude, dad, and then sons, whatever the case may be, took the trash out. Women never took the trash out. And so to this day, that's a good rule, I guess. And so we take the trash out. I've taken the trash out. Now I've got a 19-year-old trash delivery guy. That's my son. He does the trash. And he goes, went on those blisteringly cold uh, days out there and reels it in and so on and so forth. There's other rules like dishes, but we won't talk about that right now. Dr. Morocco called it meta rules. So what I was saying is when we came in, we had some good things in our family and some things that weren't good. And we wanted to get rid of the things that weren't good and we wanted to retain the things that were good and, and godly. And, and some of them just, it's not that they were necessarily godly, it's just they were good and we liked them. Like Christmas cookies are not necessarily godly. Okay, we, we didn't have those in our family growing up, my family, but Pastor Karen, being of Norwegian descent as well as Italian, of Finnish, pardon me, she's a Finn. But how many of you know Finnish people make great cookies? Okay, if you don't know that, now you know. There are some amazing recipes that came from her family. In fact, one of them Hannah used and won the Alaska State Fair, the cookie contest, years ago. Cream cheese fold over. I think she called it an Alaska polar berry pocket. That's what it was called. It was... So what I love about our church, and let me say that all churches should be this way. You need to learn how to live. You need to learn how to handle your finances. You need to learn how to pray, how to, how to give, how to, how to sacrifice, how to turn the other cheek. How to, come on, how to live. That's why we say in our church, you experience life with people, power, and purpose. I needed to learn how to balance a check, checkbook, which some of you don't even know what a checkbook is now. I needed to learn about, about investing. I'm still learning. Is there anybody still learning? I needed to learn how to be a good husband. I definitely needed to learn how to be a good father. Pastor Karen needed to learn how to be a good wife, and she's a great one. And a good mother, and she's a great one at that too. And it's a process of learning. And then I found that we spirit-filled Christians, and that's different than just being a Christian. So I called it the spirit-filled family. Honestly, I called it that because way back in the day, Dr. Morocco preached a series called The Spirit-Filled Family, and I thought, I don't know, I can't, I can't millennialize that. I'm just going to call it The Spirit-Filled Family. I, I thought about calling it The Family or, you know, I don't know. We went with spirit-filled family because a spirit-filled family is different than just a regular Christian family because we believe in praying in tongues. We believe in laying hands on the sick. You have oil at your house. I mean, most people don't have oil at their house. What do you mean oil? I'm not like talking about heating oil. I'm talking about oil to lay hands on the sick and pray for them. So we, we start this series, and I, I, I've chosen to start with this particular text uh, because it's speaking so loudly to me. And so it's not necessarily in order, uh, but the whole thing mashed up together will help you to have a spirit-filled family. Remember is a powerful word. 
Remember the Alamo. Anybody from Texas, a smaller state to the south? Remember the Alamo. We all go through times in our lives when we think back on things. It's, it's good to think back on the good things. It's bad to think back on the bad things. Remember the Alamo or 9-11. There's memorials all over, all over Washington, D.C. that commemorate different leaders and, my, you know, and presidents and such. And, and my favorite one, I've told you before, is the Lincoln Memorial. And if you go to the Lincoln Memorial, you'll see it's emblazoned with Scripture around the entire thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the leftists are going to do about that. It's filled with Scripture. Lincoln Memorial. We talked about Thanksgiving months back. Thanksgiving is a wonderful time of remembering, giving thanks for what happened in our nation and how God brought people here for religious liberty. And remembering is also a way of God in the scriptures. In fact, uh, there's many, many scriptures. Turn to Deuteronomy 7. Remembering is a way of preserving Israel's uniqueness. They had special days or festivals to remember. The Sabbath day. What is the Sabbath day about? Why, do you, why should you have a Sabbath? Well, you need one, but, but also it's about, a, it's about remembering who made all of creation, who made you, and honoring him. It's a day of remembrance. It's not just a, a day. The, the Sabbath day. Passover. Festivals like Passover and, and the Feast of Tabernacles and, and the Feast of Purim and Hanukkah. They're, they're festivals and holidays for what? To remember what happened in the past it's wonderful to remember what God did in the past. And honestly, I think we have a tendency to forget what God's done. And I've said it this way, echoing my pastor, is spiritual amnesia is a recipe for disaster. You don't ever want to forget what God brought you through. Deuteronomy 7. Go down to the 17th verse. You may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them. Remember well. Everybody say, remember well. Remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. You saw with your own eyes the great trials, signs, wonders, the mighty hand and outstretched arm with the Lord your God brought you out. The Lord your God will do the same to all of these people you now fear. Man, I like that. Turn to Hebrews. Remember well. Remember well what God did. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the God who raised the dead still can raise the dead. The God who parted the Red Sea can still part the Red Sea in your life. The God who parted the Jordan can still part the Jordan. Can you say yes? yes. Hebrews 13. Remember your leaders, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of the way of their way of life. Now let's just stop. Not every leader has an outcome in the way of their life that you would want to emulate. Let me, let me say that a different way. Not every leader has a life lived that then produces the kind of fruit that you see in Scripture 
But that's the kind of leader you want to follow. That's the kind of, that's the kind of leader I'm under, Dr. James Morocco, and I pray and hope and endeavor to do the same for you. To model what it is to be someone who gives their whole heart to God and lives for God and prays and believes and sees miracles and signs and wonders and, and a life of integrity inside the house, outside the house, at home when nobody's watching, out in the marketplace when everybody can see you. There are some that don't emulate that. And they should not be followed. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Everybody say, imitate their faith. So let me just say this. If everybody imitated your faith, how would that be? If your kids, now your kids are going to imitate your faith. They will do more than, more than what you say. In fact, many times they don't do what you say, they do what you do. So whatever you're doing, that is what you will produce in your kids. Let's have a praise break because some of you just look terrified and you should be. Amen. Father, help, help, help us. I've failed in many ways as a father. You know, my son's 19 and he's, he's still in my home and he's an intern here at the church. My daughter's on her way. The days of child rearing are over. They went by like a blink. It's terrifying how fast it went. Talk to any person that's uh, more mature than you whose kids have left the home and gone on and they've raised kids and they're done. Now, now you're, never not, you're never done because you're gonna pray, you're gonna hold the line, but you move from being somebody that provides everything, changing their diapers and helping them and even feeding them. They can't even feed themselves when they're born. They can't clean themselves up. They need help. But as they grow up, they should learn to, how many of you know they should learn to clean themselves? Hey, um, if you're still going in with a wipe and they're 12 years old, I got some news flash for you. Okay. There are, there are circumstances where people have special needs and things like that. I understand. I'm not talking about that. I'm certainly not mocking that. I'm just saying that your kids mature. If you didn't grow we would really wonder why you wouldn't be growing, but you were growing. What are they feeding you? It's amazing. But you're supposed to grow more than physically. You're supposed to grow spiritually. And at the end, when your kids leave, their house, leave your house, they should be equipped. We, we, we endeavored to do that. There's certain things for me that I was not happy about, and I've been forgiven, and my kids have told me about where I fell short, and I've repented, and it's under the blood. Well, what was it? It's none of your business. <laughs> No, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, because it might save you. I'm going to tell you. I'm, I'm, off, I'm off the script here, but my iPad's dead and God's on the throne. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Not that we have a script. Pastor Karen and I came from uh, a pretty intense background. Uh, I would say a very intense background, very extreme salvation deliverance experience. And uh, both of us, especially Pastor Karen, as some of you have heard, and we were very aware of how the enemy operated because we were delivered from all of that. So as a result, our parenting was a little over the top on some things. I mean, we were just a little, I'm, Pastor Karen's very intense. And I am also very intense. Pastor Karen said I'm extra. Maybe other people are basic. I don't know. 
I read that on a meme somewhere. Certainly not talking about you. Because if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be standing here. We all, that's the truth. And we all need each other. But I was a little, I was a little extra. I was a little over the top. I, I uh, you know, and they honestly thought, like, Hannah thought, if you were attracted to a boy, you're going to hell. You're going to go to hell. If you, if, if you thought some boy was good looking, you're just straight going to hell. I never said that. I might have implied it. Daniel could, we could give him the microphone and he can talk about some of the impacts that he had as a growing up in a Pentecostal home, a spirit-filled home with an extra mom and an extra dad. I don't mean like extra, another one, I mean like intense. And so there were times when I would just paint the picture, you know, just a little bit too much. You know, you got to remember they're this big. You're like a giant to them, okay? So you're a giant, and you represent God. So there are times when I would come in like, look at me right now. Look at me right now. There is an enemy out there. Here are your father. I'm like, okay, I got this. I got this. I'm like, are we clear? Am I clear? Do you understand? I was just a little intense, too intense. Bump your neighbor and say, are you too intense? And then as Hannah grew, she said, you know, Hannah has a way of saying it. You ever get in an argument with that girl, it's trouble. She says, dad, dad, you have like blue lasers coming out your eyes. And you're so intense, it just peels the face off of anybody you talk to. And my friends are terrified. Like, they just, they think you're reading their soul when you talk to them. That you look right into their soul, and you're going to call out stuff. And they're just freaked out, Dad. I'm like, what? I didn't do anything. And I thought I was toning it down. No, really. I thought I was just like, Okay, you feel really intense right now. Dial back. And then I would give the dial back version. The dial back version was still peel your face off. And it caused them, it caused them to have, it caused them to have some fear that was not godly. And it caused it caused this intimidation thing. And it was difficult. And, and I prayed. Are we healed? I think we're healed. We healed, son. I'm healed. You healed? Good. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. And I've told the stories before. At the, at the table not that many years ago. Thank you, Pastor Karen. 2020, a great year. COVID-19 and the rebuking of dad. We sat there and everything came out of all the history of our family and all the things that happened. And it was all my fault. So, hallelujah. Uh, praise the Lord. And Pastor Karen's holding my hand. I've been rebuked. I've repented at least like 35 times. It's exaggerating, but I've had to do some repenting. There were some tears, and we just said, sorry, please forgive me. And I, you know, we talked about it. Pastor Karen, I knew it was bad when Pastor Karen's holding my hand, and I look over, she says, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are we? You say, why would you even share that? I'm remembering from my life so that you don't do the same thing. I've set some things up to help me not to be so intense. I've been that way as a pastor. There's times to be intense. You know, in war, it's a good time to be intense. 
You don't want some sissy holding and, you know, shrinking back behind a tree. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What do you mean we're going to do? We're going to kill everybody. Ah! <laughs> you know, I don't mean that like, you know, I mean, spiritually speaking. Okay. One of the things that we remember, remembrance is very, very important. And I, I, I believe that, and, and really uh, endeavor to teach this and to model it, remember the good things that came from your family. Rem- remember the godly heritage. I don't have any. Well, you do now. You make your own godly heritage now. Come on, someone say it's a new start. The Lord's Supper or communion, communion is a way of remembering. When we take communion, I read to you or quote usually 1 Corinthians 11, and it's, it's the words of Jesus. It says, often as you do this, do this in remembrance, in remembrance of me. Where is that the communion table? Is it gone? Ushers, we had a communion table. We never use it. Where is it? Minister Micah, are you here? See if you can dig it out. I think it's in that closet right there. Go ahead, dig it out, dig it out, dig it out, dig it out. Dig it, dig it, dig it. <laughs> Remembrance. Is it not in that closet right there? It's what? Is it, is it retrievable? Sacrilegious. I can't believe you guys have used a communion table for something other than communion. Okay. John Harkey's a friend of mine, and they had this remembrance table, this communion table. Anybody ever seen it? And it was this sacred thing, and the church was dead. You know what I mean? This is not dead. I'm talking dead. People with their arms folded. Half the seats were filled. People were there because men were there because their wives made them come. And the wives didn't want to go, but their mother told them they should. And they're trying to hold the line. Kids are just, oh my gosh, when's this going to be over? Oh. And the pastor had this relationship with John Harkey who came in and started preaching and prophesying. And they'd never seen anything like that. And there was a whole group of people that were so offended at the move of the Spirit of God that they just could hardly stand it. And he said that the Lord told him to jump up on the communion table and preach. And he did. He got up on the in remembrance of me, and you th- you'd think people died and had a heart attack. People lost their ever-loving minds. They were, and he said, you're more concerned about your stupid table than you are your own soul. And he preached, and people got saved. Come on, they're, 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 they're. <laughs> remembrance. Everybody say remembrance. So the communion is an act of remembrance, remembering what the Lord did, remembering that he's healed us, remembering that he's coming back. Can you say yes? And God remembers us. He remembered Noah. We just read that in our Bible reading in Genesis 9. I'll remember the covenant between you and me, the rainbow. No matter how bad the storm is, know that God will never destroy the earth with a flood. No matter how hard it rains, no matter what floods take place, the earth will never be destroyed by a flood again. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. It's going to be fire the next time. No more water, it'll be fire. (laughs) Okay. Remembering through special days. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate 
We celebrate holidays. I think celebrating birthdays is a good thing. Why? Because you're, you're giving honor to somebody. You know, there's denominations that say you don't ever celebrate somebody's birthday. I think all cults, not all, but many cults have that in common. So if you're, go, if you're somewhere going and they tell you don't celebrate your birthday, you should probably leave that. Just leave that church. Come over here. And, uh, and you can celebrate birthdays. It's okay. It's a day of remembrance. What are you remembering? The birth of someone. Anniversaries. I have a hard time remembering mine. I'm getting better. 24, is it 25 years this year? It is? It's 25? Isn't that like, you're supposed to give me some silver or something, right? Isn't that what happens? <laughs> 25, is it 25? It'll be, Wow. You have an age today, 25 years. I have, yeah, praise the Lord. I have inscribed, thank you for the golf clap. That was awesome. You guys are amazing. Amen. <laughs> I have inscribed on the inside of my, my ring, my anniversary date. I'm, it's December 6th. Yeah. December 6th. But for 20 years, I think I've had it for about five. For 20 years, I had to actually pull my ring off as it got to, you know, I know it's in December. I could remember that. And I'd look on the inside, the six. And I'd put it back on. It's inscribed on the inside. Why would I do that? Because if, if, dude, if you remember, if you forget your anniversary, you're a jerk, bro. And then she will never forget. Let me just say that. <laughs> Usually. Women have a way of remembering things. Let's move on. Before we... Let's lift our hands to heaven. Ah. All right. Let's look at this text, and we'll, we'll bring this home tonight. They're, they're crossing the, the Jordan, the River Jordan. It's at flood stage. I've preached on it many, many times before. And they're, they're going to cross over, and God gives them, well, there's a lot of unusual things about the crossing. One, they're to send the priest with the ark, but they're to stand, I, I, I think, I did the math at one point, if I remember correctly, approximately 3,000 feet away from the ark. So 3,000 feet's a long, long way. So the ark was to go, and everybody's back 3,000 feet. And the ark goes into the, to the River Jordan, and the Jordan stops. It, it, it stops up at a city called Adam. You can go look at this. The place where it was parted is called Ben-Arubah, the same place, the same place that John the Baptist baptized, the same exact place. And so they're going to cross over, and when they do that, instantly the waters are cut off to the city of Adam or Adam, and of course, they're stopped flowing into the, to the Dead Sea. And they, they go into the middle of the Jordan. They stand there with the ark until all of the people had crossed over. What's fascinating to me is that that place where, where John the Baptist baptized, Ben-Arubah, that very place is the very place that Jesus was baptized. And it's a prophetic picture in the Old Testament, that the sins of God's people, who, those who believed on the Lord Jesus, would be cut off from Adam, all come on, and thrown into the Dead Sea. It's a picture of redemption, a picture that, that the one who, who raises the dead and heals the sick and set the captives free, the one who paid the, the price for your sin and mine, 
would cut it off from Adam was a place of redemption and healing. And it could be that Jesus actually stood on the exact stones that they placed there. This text says, you're to take smooth stones from the middle of the Jordan, 12 of them. How many? 12. And then you're to put them over on the promised land side and build a memorial. But you're supposed to take some stones from the, from the other side and then put it in the middle of the Jordan. And the reason they would do that, again, in your notes now, one of the stones, one, one memorial or a pillar, there's a couple of different ways you can say it, it's collected by 12 representatives who made a memorial on the western side of the Jordan at Gilgal where they camped. And the other was made by Joshua when the ark was stationed in the center of the river. You see that in verse 9. What was done, this building of this memorial was commanded by God. Now that's interesting. Why would God command them to build a, a memorial? Because unlike your wife, you forget. Unlike all of us, we all forget. We forget things. And when you have a memorial, when you see things that remind you of what God did, it does something to your faith. And they said, it'll be a memorial. Come and show your children. Show them this thing in the generations to come. It was a reminder of what God did. Wow, a commanded by the Lord. The memorial was commemorated, the miracle that God did. Why should we have memorials? So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying as a spirit-filled family, you ought to have things in your house. It can be pictures. It can be artwork. It can be Bibles. It can be, it can be different moments uh, within the year. I've got, I've got so many memorials in my house and around my house and in my life. I underline my Bible and date it many times. Why? So that 10 years later, I look back and say, "Woo! I remember when God brought me through with that word right there. Why would we remember memorials? Three things as a reminder of what God did for ourselves in the next generation. You tell your kids when you were a fool, you gave your life to Jesus and how he saved you, how he delivered you, how you were broken, how you were lost, and how God rescued you, how God redeemed you. And you have to be careful to the degree that you share those things. I had things happen to me that, that, that no child should hear about. So you have to be careful. You, in proportion to the degree that they can handle that emotionally, you can share. And there's certain things that are just terrifying that might have happened in your life. You don't share everything with your kids right off the bat. Hello. But you share with them and, and teach them that God brought you out. If you never talk about what God did, it doesn't release fresh faith for God to do it again. It's a declaration of the glory and power of God. God's done great things for us. Because one day is going to come when they're going to need God to do great things for them. And if they didn't hear it from you, and they didn't hear it at the church, and it's not been modeled, and there's not memorials. For the, the, in the earliest memories of my children, they always will remember this rock. That looks stupid to most people. It's outside by my door right now, covered in snow. But it's right by my, by, my, by my front door. 
And it's Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house will serve the Lord. That rock I pulled out of the front lawn of my mother's house that she was renting in Hana, Hawaii in like 1993, 92 maybe. I forget the dates. We had a flood that washed cars out to sea. People died. That, that, there was this the torrential rain that came and these flash floods, they washed through the town. And when I got up, I could not believe the amount of rocks through the all everybody's yard and through the street. And we picked one up, and I thought, whew, he saved me again. And my mother wrote on it, Joshua 24, 15. It was in front of her house, and then when I got married, she gave it to me, and it's in front of my house. Ever since I've been married for 25 years, there's a rock by the front door of my house, and you see it, Joshua 24, 15, because God saved me at that flood. And if he saved me in the past flood, he's going to save me in another one. He's going to save me again and again and again and again. Memorials. Build memorials. What has God done? How have you commemorated that? We had a, a funeral here this past week. Yesterday, in fact, John Martin. And uh, what an incredible funeral it was. It was beautiful to see a godly heritage and, and how that was been passed down. And Dr. David Martin, he's a part of our church, and maybe he's even online right now. Many of you know him. He's a leader here. And to see the, the John Martin and, and then, of course, his father and this, the imprint and the, and the effect it's had on him, he's so much like his uncle and like his father, an outdoorsman and just, you know, mountain climbing, just amazing. And as I was leaving, I saw a, a blue spruce in a pot out in the lobby. And at the, as we were leaving, one of the last ones to leave, as we were leaving, Dr. Martin and, uh, and another part of the family uh, pick up this big tree, and they're carrying it out. I didn't need to ask him what the tree was for. I know what the tree's for. You know what the tree is for? The tree is for a memorial to remember John Martin, that he served God. He was on fire. He was a mighty oak of righteousness. He was, he was a man of God, and he had a huge impact in the community, and he's going to be with heaven, and that tree will then grow, and in the generations to come, that's John's tree right there. I promise you that's what that is, and I have a tree. I have a number of trees in my house, at, at my property. When the property was being leveled, our new building, there was this one apple tree that had a lot of issues. And they said, well, it's too big to transplant. It'll never make it. I said, well, we're going to try. So we, we scooped that thing up. Man, I almost hurt myself transplanting that. We should have had one of those tree transplanter things, you know, with the big spikes that go into the ground or whatever. Anyway, we brought that back to my house. I dug a hole, and I dragged it, I mean, with a Jeep and a come-along and a truck. And I'm, I'm serious. It was like we almost got hurt. And we got that thing in the ground. And we covered it up, and I think it was dead. It didn't, it didn't have any leaves, I don't think, for, for the longest time. And then all of a sudden, bam. And when those leaves came out, and the trees lived, half of it. And it looks like the ratchet tree. I mean, why would you have a ratchet? Do you know what, when I'm talking about ratchet? Some of you are like, some of you have seen my house, you'd be like, nice tree. Yeah, because you don't understand that that tree came from our property and it was going to be cut down and it's 50 plus years old and it was planted there and it had amazing, it was amazing. I remember when I first came, I remember that apple tree when I first came and another pine tree. I remember those trees when I first came here and I preached there in the, in, you know, in the early 2000s, before I was the pastor. 
That's now at my house. And we had the most incredible blue spruce. Does any, I think it was one of the biggest ones in the valley. Does anybody remember that blue spruce tree? It was up on the hill and it was massive. And I said, we're not cutting that down. And then as we moved on in the plans, they said, do you want a church building? Yeah. Well, we're going to need to cut it down. I'm like, okay. I just didn't want to cut it down. I remember when it was dropped. I was able to get saplings out of that thing. And I pulled those back to my house. And I've nursed one. It's now this big. It's now this big. When my brother gave his heart to the Lord last year, uh, or maybe it's two years ago, 2020, what a year. And he came and he, and he moved up here. He got radically delivered. He might even be on right now. Radically saved, my brother Chris, who's now snowbirding, whatever. <laughs> you know, some people need to go get some warm weather. What are you going to do? Not everybody has the starch that you do to stay here. It's easy to say I'm going to Hawaii tomorrow. Like, okay. So, anyway, we planted that together. And it's on my yard. And it's going to grow. And it's like, it's a memorial of what God did through Chris. Delivered him 40 years of bondage. 40 years of drug abuse. 40 years of, of, of walking a life separated from God, mostly. And God saved him. In his mid-50s saved him, set him on fire, and he loves God with all his heart. It's a total miracle. Now, let me just tell you, as that tree grows, we'll drive by and be like, well, God did it for dad's older brother, much older. And so God can do it for anybody. Come on, someone say God can do it for Memorials, memorials. Come on, somebody say memorials. Causes us to fear the Lord more. The fear of the Lord is one of the most fundamental statements in the Old Testament. It's an expression of faith. And it says, really, in the expression of faith, the fear of the Lord, it says, I'm going to take action because I trust in God. I'm going to take action. I'm going to move forward. When you see memorials, you see things like that. Do you know our building is a memorial? Oh, yeah. All right, God's speaking to us. We should fix our eyes on the future. We should fix our eyes on the future, but we should also remember the past. Fix your eyes on the future, but remember what God's done. Can you say yes? Fix your eyes on the future, absolutely. Forget the former things. Fix your eyes on the future, but don't ever, don't ever forget the godly former things. Forget, the, forget your nasty past of the green bottles and all that. Forget all that. Forget your days of rebellion. Forget your days of, of, of stubbornness. And remember how God saved you, how he rescued you, how he redeemed you. Remember those things and never forget it. Come on, somebody say never forget it. Our testimony, Revelation 12, 11, I've, I've preached it to you many times. Turn there, please. Keys, my brother. Our testimony is a declaration of what God, what God has done and will encourage ourselves and others to believe God for more, to believe God to do it again. Don't ever be embarrassed about your testimony, about your story of what God has done. And they overcame in Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. By the what? Blood of the lamb. And by the, the what? I'm sorry. Can you put that scripture up there? To, 
They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the, by the what? The word of their testimony. Interesting, because you can have a testimony without words, right? And we should. We should have that. But that's not how they overcame them, him, talking of Satan. They overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb. Without the blood, then your sins remain, you lose. Blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. Your testimony, when you declare, this is what God has done, it releases a memorial. It releases faith. The testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. There's the testimony of Jesus, it's the spirit of prophecy. It, it really, one of the meanings of that is that when you testify about what Jesus has done, it releases faith for God to do it again. So if God can heal your life, heal your marriage, heal your body, if God could bring you across your own personal Jordan, then he can do it for somebody else. He can do it for anybody. He's not a respecter of persons. What he did for one man, he can do for another. Many years ago, Many. I'm sitting in a service three quarters of the way back, hating my life. It's before I met Pastor Karen. I'm like, oh, my life's miserable. Oh. Sitting in the back, and Dr. Michael Gannon, who will be with us in February, and he's a total surfer, Southern California guy. And he gets up and he shares his testimony. Now, I wasn't even listening to the whole first part of it. But after he had, he said that he was on 10 grams of an illegal substance and he gave his life to Christ and he got gloriously saved. He was wanted by the FBI. I mean, he was a bad dude. He did all kinds of insane things. Wanted by the FBI, overdosed, and the Lord showed him hell. And he said, if you don't receive me right now, you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. That's, this is his testimony. So he got saved. It's probably a good idea. Gave his heart to Jesus. Was instantly delivered from all the drugs. Instantly sober. And he began to live for Jesus. Do you know what happened with it? As he shared his testimony, I just thought... Thank God did it for that scrub. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes you, 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 when you see a Michael Jordan slam dunk a basketball, you don't really know how much work he put into learning how to do that. You, you don't really know. But I mean, pretty awesome figure, you know. I don't know how tall he is. Six, a hundred, whatever, seven foot, 12. You know, it's just superior athleticism. It's Michael Jordan. But when God does something through like an ordinary guy, and no offense, Dr. Michael, but when God does something through an ordinary guy, for us ordinary people, not for the extra folks, but for the ordinary ones, you say to yourself, self, you can make it because he made it. You can make it. God can do it for you. He did it for him. did it for her. He can do it for you. When you look at somebody like super awesome, and you'd be like, yeah, well, they're super awesome. My, my friend, Dr. Michael, is super awesome because he's got Christ. And anybody that has Jesus is super awesome. You know what I'm saying. But naturally, you're thinking, he's in ministry. And he was wanted by the FBI. I was never wanted by the FBI. His story's worse than mine. Oh, man, I can make it. I'm going to make it. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to make it. The testimony. 
You know, what's funny about his story, as many of you know, wanted by the FBI, later became one of the, a real key FBI negotiator. He went to FBI negotiation school and carries a badge still to this day, which allows him to speed everywhere he wants. I'd like to copy that maybe, but it would be illegal and then lawbreakers. Well, let's move on. Don't be embarrassed about your testimony. It's a verbal memorial. See, remember and build memorials for your marriage, for your family. I have artwork I got from Israel. I have, we've given each other jewelry. I've given her jewelry. I don't think I've received, oh, I got the ring. Okay, I got the wedding band. Memorials for our children, for kids. You do it for your kids. Think about what you're wearing right now. Fit check. Think about what you're wearing now. Where did it come from? Do you have anything on you? that is a reminder of, of something maybe God's done? Do you wear anything? Do you, you, you know what I'm saying? You, you don't want to make an idol of that, but it's important to set times and to set things in your life where your kids will look and say, man, God's real because I remember, boom, this happened. There's that rock. Dad almost died in that flood. Uh, I, look at that tree. That's Chris' tree. That's Uncle Chris's tree. Wow, sure is big. When did that happen? 50 years ago. Is the Lord coming back? Any day. Amen. Our building is a memorial. And how do you know that? Because I've had leaders and people and pastors and visitors and those coming through. They say, anytime you see something like that built in a region like this, in a town like this, it says that God can do anything. It's a statement of a move of God. It's what it is. So what are you saying? In the Spirit-filled family, build memorials. Build them. Build them for your own life, the victories that you have. Build them for the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Build them for, for God's kingdom. Remember what he's done and allow that to release faith into your kids all their lives that they would remember. Have special meals. Do special things. Set it up. Lift your hands to Jesus. Won't you just thank the Lord right now? Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you. We love you, Lord. We give you praise and we give you glory. Lord, teach us to number our days and teach us to be thankful for what you have done. We will not forget and we set things in place to remember. I feel led to share one more story and then we'll close. About a memorial that I had, I, I went to a thing you might not have been to one before, but this thing called a Christian bookstore. They don't really have those anymore because they have Amazon and Christian book distributors and most people ship their stuff straight to their house. So the Christian bookstores are pretty rare. I don't know if we still have one in town, but we used to love going to Christian bookstores and walk up and down the aisles and 
look at all the Bibles and all the books that came out. And then these little precious moments things, which really irritate me. But anyway, a lot of people like those. And I just don't. They just bug me. And uh, no offense. No offense. It's a personal thing. And then they used to have these little metal plaques. It's these little metal plaques. And you could peel the back off. And then it would have like a scripture engraving on it or something. You peel the black off and you could stick it somewhere. So I'm walking through the Christian bookstore and I see this little metal plaque. And I don't know, it was 50 cents. And it said, with God, nothing's impossible. So I said, I'll tell you, it's the only thing I bought that day. And I took it and I stuffed it in my wallet. I had that wallet for the longest time. And it just... It was a little metal card that was in my wallet for the longest time. And it was a reminder of what God had done in my life and how he had set me free and how he had done what all of so many professionals said was impossible, God did for me. And then here I am with God, nothing's impossible. And so I had that in my wallet. I had it in my wallet, in my back pocket all the time. Years go by, I still have this thing in my wallet. And I was going to go to a Promise Keepers event. It's like 1990. Six. I got the year right. It's amazing. 1996 Promise Keepers comes to Honolulu. Anybody remember Promise Keepers? It was a move of God among men. It was amazing. I mean, it was amazing. Men would gather. They even had a, they had a million men gather in Washington, D.C., if I remember correctly. 1996, they came to Honolulu, Hawaii. I was living in Maui, and I didn't have two nickels to rub together. I'm talking every cent I made went to bills the billites and, I, and we had no extra and we just didn't we would tithe pay our bills and believe God so I didn't have I didn't have money to take a I didn't have money for a hotel I didn't have money for a a, a flight I never I didn't have money for any of that but the Lord calls me to go he's like you're going I'm like okay so I start praying I have some other guy who's now gone on to be with heaven, encouraged me. And uh, he knows somebody that has a companion fare. And I get my plane ticket covered. So I was like, woo, I don't need to eat. And I can sleep in the street. So let's go. I mean, I was hungry to go. God gave me a plane ticket. So I'm ready. I'm down. Let's go to this thing. So then somebody said, you know what? You can sleep in our hotel room and uh, just come on. It'll be all right. So I, now I have a ticket and I got a house, to, a hotel to stay in. And so I go to work that day. Now, I worked, as a, I, I worked as a tour guide, and I had to show up at work at midnight. And I would work from midnight to 12 o'clock, and I had to catch a flight at like 1240. And this is pre-TSA. So everything has to work right for me to make that happen. I have to pick up all of my guests on this tour at the right time. They all have to be on time. And how many of you know many people are not on time? Some of you know that really well. They all had to show up. I had to have the perfect pickup schedule so that I could be first to the top of the mountain, so I could be first to come all the way down the mountain, so that I could get in my car, which was held together with duct tape and prayer, and drive, you know, and drive to the airport, and then get on the plane, and race, it would be running, and I would make it. Well, it all works out. I'm praying in tongues. I get the pickups. They're all on time. I get to the top of the mountain first. I've got great bike riders, which can be a problem. Believe me. Some people say they can ride bikes. Story within a story. You ask all the 15 bike riders, when's the last time you rode a bike? And this guy says in the back, an elderly gentleman, oh, it's during the war. I said, what? 
during the war. I said, what war? He says, World War II. I said, it's true. That's a true story. <laughs> okay. Maybe you want to ride in the van the first part of the lava fields where you could die. Okay. Get to the, get to the bottom. Everything works great. I say goodbye to my tour and the tour, the tour driver guy takes off to go drop off the guests and I, I go to my car and I left my bag and my keys in the van. Now I have one of those supersonic whistles. I could make our ears hurt right now. Well, I crank out a whistle that'd stop a truck, but I guess he was partially deaf and probably stoned. So he just kept driving. Like, dude, whistling, running, he just stomps on it, cloud of fumes, and he's gone. Try to call his, you know, the phone, nope, nothing, no phone, can't reach anybody, there goes my keys. There's no hope. I sat there and started to cry, and I remembered that the Lord said, if I ever need help, he gave me this little method, that if I ever need help to drop on a knee, and, and pray and put my fist on the ground and ask for supernatural intervention. It hit me so burdened like it was going to be the end of my life if I didn't go there. It felt like that. I dropped to my knee. I put my fist on the ground. I said, God! And the owner of the company screeches up in a brand new Z, uh, that brand new BMW, the small Z something or whatever. I forget what it was. It's a really hot car. And he says, hey, how you doing? I'm like, I need help. He said, oh, I'll help you. I said, give me a ride to the airport. He says, get in. Okay, so I have no idea. You know, I mean, okay, at least I got that part. So I get to the airport. I go through the airport. I've got my ID. I find the guy that I've got a companion fare with. I'm going through the TSA thing. But it wasn't TSA. It was just a regular detector. And it says, Doot! it goes off. I'm like, and you know, they're like, yeah, you got something in your pocket? I'm like, well, I got my wallet, but there's nothing. Nothing in there. And I open up my wallet and I, I pull out this card. It's God's honest truth. This is what happened. I pull out this card and it says, with God, nothing's impossible. I read this stupid little cheesy 50 cent thing, this memorial that I bought to be in my wallet. I pull it out and I'm reading it. Wow. And the guy says, yeah, just, uh, that's okay. I'm like, all right. And right then from the back of the line, this guy who, he didn't even like me. In fact, I think he hated me. Somebody had gotten a hold of him and they got my bag and they raced it to the airport and he's holding my clothes and my Bible and everything. He's like, Bracken! Bracken! I'm like, yes! Yes, give me my bag! Because with God, nothing is impossible! And do you know what I did with that? I took that thing and I eventually peeled the back off and I stuck it on that nasty car that was held together with prayer and duct tape and we would drive that around. Karen hated it, but with God, I'd be like, with God, nothing's impossible. My stereo was worth more than my car. You make, listen, which is, I had proper priorities there, worship. I caught Karen by listening to my stereo, getting full of the Holy Ghost like I was going to explode with beams of glory and, and rays of sunshine shining out of my face. And I would quickly run into the cafe where she was a barista. And I'd be like, hey. Ah, she'd be like, oh my God. 
Then it would fade, like, you know, Moses, it faded. It's not supposed to fade for us, but it would fade for me. I had issues. Stand up on your feet all across this place. Build memorials. Build them. Set them up. Note them. Teach your kids. Remind yourself what God did before, he can do again. A spirit-filled family is constantly filled with reminders and memorials that God, he can do it all. He can heal the sick and save the lost. He can set the captives free. He redeemed you. He redeemed me. He can do it again and again and again and again and again and again. Don't forget. Build memorials. Lift your hands into the heavens. Come on and call on him tonight. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you.